The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, for its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind onto the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own god, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your god. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, What should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea instantly grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Thank you, Sarah, for that scripture reading and the artwork that accompanied it. And now let's pray. Loving God, thank you for your word as it comes to us from that first chapter from the book of Jonah. We pray that you would guide our hearts and minds now by the power of your Holy Spirit as we reflect on the story from scripture and listen for your word to us today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today we begin a new sermon series on the book of Jonah. And of all the prophets we read about in the Old Testament, only two, Jonah and Elijah, are sent to foreign lands. Most of the ancient Hebrew prophets are called by God to act in their own land, to speak to their own people, the people of ancient Israel and Judah. However, with Elijah and Jonah, God sends a prophet to a foreign place and people. Elijah was sent to a widow in the town of Zarephath that was located in ancient Phoenicia. Jonah is sent to the Assyrian city of Nineveh. Now, Nineveh is described by other Hebrew prophets in decidedly negative terms. Zephaniah condemns the arrogance of Nineveh and foretells of its destruction. The prophet Nahum calls Nineveh a city of bloodshed. Today, in this first chapter of Jonah, we read how God describes Nineveh in Jonah's time as a great city, but a city full of wickedness. And yet it is to that intimidating foreign soil that Jonah is sent. Now, 
It seems to me that this makes the book of Jonah an especially relevant one for you and me today. And that's because each one of us, like Jonah, has been called, I would argue, to live out God's purposes now in a foreign land. Since March, previously familiar places have become for so many of us, well, foreign. And yet we're called to live out God's purposes right here and now in this strange land where we are. I remember back in March, I went to the Trader Joe's located right nearby on Del Mar and Lake Avenue. I'd been there more than a hundred times before. And yet this time in March of 2020, it felt decidedly strange. First of all, when I arrived, everyone was wearing a mask. And then, rather than walking straight into the store, instead, I was ushered to a long line. I had to wait nearly an hour before being allowed into the store. And once I did go into that Trader Joe's, many a shelf was bare, including the shelf that ordinarily had toilet paper. And when I did get some of the supplies that were there, there were limits on how many you could get. It reminded me of a visit I made back in the late 80s to East Germany and its capital, East Berlin. There, I had seen lines for stores. And once you would get into a store in East Germany, there would often be bare shelves. I felt at that Trader Joe's like I was suddenly there again in East Germany, like I was in a foreign land. And then I arrived home to unload the groceries and home suddenly felt strange. My house seemed foreign in a way. Now it was not just a home, it was a workplace, it was a gym, it was a coffee shop as well. The walls were no longer simply protecting me from the elements outside, now they were keeping me inside in a kind of self-imposed house arrest, one that so many of us have been observing to help prevent the spread of COVID-19. I know you have had experiences like this too. There have been times over the last six to seven months when you have asked, wait, what, what country am I in? It may have been something in the news that you read. I recall back when I heard how the United States Department of Justice had implemented an official policy of family separation when it came to asylum seekers crossing the U.S.-Mexico border. And I asked, wait, what country am I in? Maybe it was something you read in the news that made you feel you were suddenly in a kind of foreign land. And yet it is to this now foreign land that we have been called, like Jonah was, to Nineveh. For in order to live out God's purposes today, in order to love God and love our neighbor, in order to obey the Ten Commandments, in order to use whatever gifts we have been given to serve God and to serve our neighbor, we must do that now in foreign terrain. There's no choice, for the familiar has become foreign. And living out God's call in a foreign land, it is not easy. Maybe you have traveled or lived in a foreign land before and you know the challenges that it involves. You've got to learn a new language and that can be exhausting. I remember that from the year I spent in Germany. 
You have to negotiate getting food and doing your work and getting to school and just getting around in a transportation system that you're not accustomed to. It feels like there is a barrier that's often in front of you separating you from other people, that barrier of culture and the foreign land may be dangerous. Right now, this foreign land has a deadly virus in it. The foreign land that lay before Jonah, the city of Nineveh, had a deadly virus called wickedness. Jonah was sent to be a force of truth-telling, of healing, of repentance and renewal, but it was a hostile and unsettling space to which he was sent. So, given the challenges of living out God's purpose in a foreign land, what do you do? Well, here's one option. You can do what Jonah did. You can run away. You can say, forget this, I am out of here. Jonah heads to the port of Joppa and takes the first boat out of town. Now, we aren't sure exactly what his destination Tarshish refers to. It might have been a city in southern Spain. It might have been a city in Sardinia or even in Carthage. But Tarshish was either literally or symbolically a place far from that foreign land to which God had actually called Jonah, that northeast terrain that one would travel to by land and not by boat, that city called Nineveh. Now you can admit it, sometime, maybe many times over these last seven months, haven't you wanted to make like Jonah and just flee the scene? Haven't you wanted to go down to the port of Long Beach and hop on some boat that gets you out of town? Haven't you wanted to go somewhere, anywhere other than this land of quarantine and social isolation and remote education and Zoom meetings and pressing and worrisome political and social issues and worst of all, a deadly virus in the air? If there was a boat to get away from all that, wouldn't you take it? I know I would, but you and I know such an escape plan is destined for failure. Why? Well, for one, the coronavirus has impacted the whole world, so there's no place we can go to. There's no Tarshish where we can escape it. But there is a second reason that physical escape from this foreign land is futile, and that is God's call reaches us wherever we are. You see, you can't run from God's call because wherever you go, God is there. Jonah flees and heads out to Tarshish, and there on the Mediterranean Sea, God tracks him down. God comes in the form of a storm as if to say to Jonah, you can't run from me, don't even try. Jonah tells the crew on this ship, throw me into the sea and end my life. That way, maybe I can escape this God and God's plans and purposes for me in Nineveh. But as soon as they throw Jonah into the sea, guess what? God is there too. God's presence takes the form of a giant fish and it swallows up Jonah, not to destroy him, but to carry him through the wind and waves and deliver him to land once again. As Psalm 139 famously poses the question, where can I go from your presence, O God? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, 
you are there. Wherever we go, God is there. You can't flee from God, for as we read in Jonah, God will chase you down. In his poem, The Hound of Heaven, from 1859, Francis Thompson put it like this. He wrote, I fled him down the nights and down the days. I fled him down the arches of the years. I fled him down the labyrinthine ways of my own mind. And in the midst of tears, I hid from him. Across the margin of the world, I fled. And troubled the gold gateways of the stars, smiting for shelter on their clanged bars, still with unhurrying chains and unperturbed pace, deliberate speed, majestic instancy came on the following feet, and a voice above their beat, not shelters thee who wilt not shelter me. The hound of heaven, in other words, will chase you down. But here's the good news. God's plans and purposes are not for our destruction. They are for our salvation. The hound of heaven chases us down so that we and foreign lands like Nineveh might be renewed. God said to the people of Israel when they were living in the foreign land of Babylon these precious words, For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. God chases us down that we might know we're not alone in the world. We have a loving parent who will not stop in endeavoring to reach us, to hold us in God's embrace. We see that finally in Christ. He was the good shepherd willing to leave the 99 to chase after that one who was lost. And that God longs to bring us back to the fold, to welcome the prodigal home. And God longs to make us part of God's gracious purposes for the world. The God we would flee from loves us and has wonderful things in mind for us and for our world. So don't try to flee. You can't receive instead the warm embrace of God and embrace God's purpose for you. Love God and neighbor here and now in this strange season, for love is called for today more than ever. Live generously, for generosity is called for today in this time more than ever. Give of your time, talent, and treasure to further God's purposes in the world. Be good stewards today. Do it here, now, in this strange time, in this foreign land, for this is where we hear and answer the call of God today. I've been thinking a lot recently about Amalia Guzman Molina and how the hound of heaven tracked her down in foreign soil. Amalia was living in nearby Baldwin Park back in 1998. She had fled persecution and violence in her home country of El Salvador and was pursuing what lawyers thought was a strong case for asylum in the U.S. She was living with her husband, Gil, and their three teenage children there in Baldwin Park. They were feeling at home in the United States. And then in the month of March, everything changed. After she had dropped off her two younger children at school and was pulling up to her house, she was pulled over by an unmarked vehicle. 
And then she watched in horror as armed men in black jackets marked federal police surrounded her home and entered it to arrest her husband. She and Gil were then brought to an immigration detention center in San Pedro where she was strip searched and held in prison-like conditions. At first, she thought it would be a brief stay, a few days, a week, maybe a month, and it turned out to be 16 months she was there. Amalia so wanted to escape, to see her children, to see the world outside, to get outside those prison walls, but she could not escape was futile. But instead she found the hound of heaven found her. One day during the hour they were allowed recreation outside, she noticed a priest was preparing an outdoor worship service. And there Amalia went to participate. And there she received the bread of the Lord's table. And as she did, tears streamed down her face. The priest had spent time in El Salvador and Amalia felt an immediate connection with him. She talked with the priest after the service and he said to her, Amalia, there is great need here, remember that your spirit is free. Amalia heard in those words from the priest a sense of the call of God on her life there and then. Amalia threw herself into service. Since she was bilingual, she took to helping other inmates communicate with guards. She joined a Bible study that brought together Catholics and Protestants where they could share their stories and pray for one another and study scripture. She led a prayer group. She comforted women who would cry out at night plagued by nightmares. She wrote a letter to a judge on behalf of an ailing Mexican detainee. She joined with others in advocating for more humane conditions and an end to the over crowding. In other words, Amalia gave up on trying to escape. Instead, she embraced God's call there in that most foreign of places, a San Pedro detention center. Caring for inmates proved so meaningful to her, in fact, that she was released more than a year later. She would go on to work with a Catholic ministry that brought together family members of those incarcerated with those in prison, so those in prison might have the blessing of a family member close by, showing them a familiar face. There, in the San Pedro Detention Center, Amalia found the love of God, and she found her call there in a foreign land. Well, friends, the God who chased down Jonah and who chased down Amalia is chasing you down, too. So don't try to flee, for where can you go? How can you run away from God? Instead, embrace that God determined to embrace you and fall into that God's loving purposes for you and for this world today. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen.